Today's scripture reading is John 11, 1 through 27. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you are going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. I don't know if you realize it or not, beloved, but everyone has regrets. Somebody will say amen. If you've lived a life of any length of time, there's no doubt there are regrets. I am always amazed when I hear people as they reflect upon their lives and they make the statement, I have no regrets. I think to myself, well, what world have they been living in? They must be from a dimension and time and space where every decision and choice was perfectly calculated and every contingency known and therefore the perfect conclusion was reached and thus the ideal decision was made. That sounds like something out of the Twilight Zone, Pastor Phil. I don't know anyone who lives in that space. At least I know I don't. 
Regret, beloved, is one of the most common emotions in the human experience. We all experience regret at some time or another. People regret words spoken in anger. People regret not having a chance to resolve conflicts before death. People regret working too much and not vacationing more. People regret not having more children. And others regret not spending enough time with the children they have. People regret wasting time in fruitless and frivolous relationships or not taking a job or not staying in school or not being more health conscious or, or voting for certain politicians. Many of us regret not coming to the Lord sooner in life. My high school coach would be fond of saying, of all the words of tongue and pen, the saddest of these, what might have been. What might have been if I made, paid more attention to detail? What might have been if I had practiced harder, studied better, listened more intently? What might have been? And all this reminds us that regret is real. We see it all in the Bible, beloved. The Bible is filled with people who experience regret. Abraham regretted offering his wife to the king. Joseph regretted sharing his dream with his brothers. His brothers regretted selling him into slavery. Moses regretted killing the Egyptian. David regretted taking the census. Peter regretted denying the Lord. Paul regretted persecuting the church. And we look at them because their lives are laid out there in Scripture, but I wonder what ours would be if our lives were laid open for all the world to see. Perhaps no one experienced more regret than Adam and Eve. In fact, Regret has been a part of the human experience ever since the regret of Adam and Eve. And so we all experience regret at one time or another. I say all with one exception. There is one, amazingly, who was not touched by the emotion of regret. And that is the man, Jesus Christ. Think about it for a moment. Jesus lived his life with deliberation. He lived his life with purpose. Every step was measured, every word purposeful. Jesus had no regrets because he knew what he was doing. He knew when he was doing it. He knew why he was doing it. He knew his goal. He always knew his goal. He always knew his purpose. He lived with no regrets 
because he always understood that every step he took was for the glory of God unto the resurrection of Christ. I want you to get that this morning. The glory of God unto the resurrection of Christ. No regrets for Jesus. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because he lived his life in vision and focus upon his resurrection. That's why he came. That's why he came into the world. I know we often say that Jesus came into the world to die. Beloved, Jesus didn't just come into the world to die. Jesus came into the world to be resurrected. That is the point. If he only came to die, then he died in vain. He came to be resurrected. And this is our text this morning is establishing once again this truth. I'm going to feel like I'm preaching an Easter sermon, Pastor Phil. But this reminds us that every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. We are resurrection people. And this should make the difference in everything. That's what all we see this morning. That's what all we see this morning. Jesus has no regrets because he lived in light of the resurrection. Jesus knew. He always knew. <laughs> Don't miss this. Jesus always knew the resurrection was coming. And if he is so convinced of the resurrection is coming, you know what that does. That gave confidence that whatever he was to face, he could face it without regret. Because the resurrection, the resurrection overcomes regrets. The resurrection, beloved, is the reason that you could read Romans 8 and 28 and have confidence that it's true. The only way that you can have confidence that the Lord is working all things out for good is because Christ is raised from the dead. The resurrection is the reason that our living and our labors are not in vain. God is bringing his people into resurrected life. This is the goal. 
This is the goal. Because the resurrection is the reason that this life even makes sense. That's not what I say. That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. If the dead are not raised, if there is no resurrection, then let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. But because Christ is raised from the dead, then everything matters. And he has set for us the goal of life. What's your goal this morning? Beloved, I, I don't mean to disappoint you, but the goal is not a condo in Buckhead. The goal is not a villa on a Monterey. Beloved, the goal is resurrection. The goal is resurrection life. And that is why it is so important to understand the point and purpose of the resurrection of Jesus this morning, and in particular, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. This is what he's going to prove. Whatever God is doing in your life, understand the resurrection is the reason. He's bringing you to the resurrection. That's, that's, that's what he's doing. Whatever God is doing in your life, today, at this moment, it is for the purpose of getting you ready for the resurrection. That's all, that's all it is. That's all it is. If you can think of it in those terms, what a difference. What a difference it will make. What a difference it will make. Hopefully I can help you this morning. Hopefully the scriptures will help us this morning. Hopefully the Holy Spirit will teach us this morning. That God is bringing you and me into resurrected life. Today, but even more importantly, for all eternity. That's the goal. That's the goal. So that's why we can say that the resurrection is the reason. Whatever's going on in your life, I'm going to say, why are you going that? Because of the resurrection. Why you got to endure that? Because of the resurrection. The resurrection is the reason. The resurrection is the reason for the hold up in your life. The resurrection is the reason that you're going to have help in your life. Beloved, the resurrection is the only reason that you have hope in your life. That's what we're going to talk about, and then you can go watch the Falcons. 
Resurrection is the reason. Chapter 11, John shifts, begins to shift as we've been going through the Gospel of John for these past weeks. When we come to chapter 11, now there is this shift. There's a shift because as chapter 11 opens, we see that it was now time. It was now time for Jesus to begin making his way to Jerusalem. Okay? Now is the time. He's going to be making his way to Jerusalem for the final time. He had been to Jerusalem several times before already. But this would be the final time. And, and, and now we're reminded that on all of the previous visits to Jerusalem, things had begun to ratchet up more and more. It became more and more intense until this final time. As he's making his way, this would be the most intense time of all. But before he is even able to set out, before he and his disciples even get going, the Bible says that Jesus received a word. He received a message that his dear friend, Lazarus, had taken ill. He had become seriously sick. And Lazarus' sisters, Martha and Mary, sent word. They sent word to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, come quickly. We fear the worst. We don't have much time. But when Jesus got the word, the Bible says in verse 4, that he said, oh, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, so that you and I don't get the impression that Jesus doesn't care. You see what the Bible says? He loved Lazarus. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. And still, the Bible says in verse 6, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, even though he loved him, he loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus. The Bible says he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus held up going to Bethany for two more days. Beloved. The delay of the time, two more days, and the time to travel that it will get there, Lazarus would surely be dead by then. So why the delay? Why the hold up? 
Why the holdup? Beloved, the resurrection is the reason for the holdup. Did you hear what I said? The resurrection is the reason for the holdup. Like many times before, the reason for a thing and the purpose and plan of God is not always readily and easily clear to us, even though it is to him. And it was for Jesus. You remember when we looked at John chapter 9 with the, with the man born blind? The Bible says that he was born blind for the glory of God. Others were trying to discern the reason. But Jesus said he was born blind so that he might know and we might know that Jesus is the light of the world. That's why he was born blind. Lazarus would die so that we might know and he might know that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. They don't know that. Martha doesn't know that. Mary doesn't know that. Lazarus doesn't know that. So that's why there's hesitation. That's why there's hesitation. When Jesus gets the word, you would think that his first and natural reaction would be to head out to Bethany immediately. These are his dear friends. This is, this is, this is not just anybody asking. This is, this is Martha. This is Mary. This is family. A dear one is ill. He's in hospice. It's not going to be long, Jesus. If he doesn't go right now, he's going to regret it. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? If you don't leave immediately, you're going to regret it. Hours late. Doesn't the Lord know what time it is? The Lord hesitates. Beloved, but what we see as hesitation in God is really just calculation. You know? Jesus, Jesus knew where Lazarus was. Jesus knew what time it was. Even if Lazarus and Mary and Martha didn't, because he always knows what time it is. He always knows what time it is. Why the delay? It was Dr. King who once famously said, justice delayed is justice denied. But, but we must remember that with God. Mercy delayed is not mercy denied, beloved. God knows what time it is. God knows what time it is, and he has no regrets. How 
often, just think about this, how often have you prayed? I know I have from, from Psalm 13, verses 1 and 2. How long, O oh Lord? How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? How long? How long is it going to take Jesus to get here? Lazarus is slipping moment by moment. How long? When we find ourselves, beloved, when we find ourselves in difficult times and troubling circumstances, we cry out because we need God's help. We want God's help. And it's reasonable to call upon him and to expect him to come. We experience these anxious days and these sleepless nights, and we pray, and we pray, and we pray, and there's no change. Somebody came up to me this morning and said, Pastor, you've been praying for me? Because I still haven't felt it. And I said, Brother, I feel the same way. Somebody been missing me in their prayers. But there's no change. And you know what you do? You know what you do? You begin to search your life. You begin to search your life. Did I do something wrong? Have I not been praying right? You hear Mary and Martha, where is Jesus? Did we offend the Lord the last time he was here? Was the wine sour? Was the food cold? Has the Lord suddenly turned his face from me? Where is God? Where is Jesus? Listen, beloved, listen. The holdup is part of God's plan. God knows what time it is. He knows what time it is. That's why we can look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 and remember that the Lord is not slow to keep his promises, even though we misunderstand what slowness means. That's my translation. <laughs> but to understand this, beloved, that all delays, all delays are temporary. All delays are momentary. No matter how long they may seem, because they all belong to this momentary, temporary life. However long it may seem, and beloved, I get it, sometimes it seems like a lifetime. You and I have to remember that God's goal is not your glory in this life, 
but the glory of the resurrected life to come. That's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is doing what? Preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. It's not even to be compared. It is not to even be compared. What you and I are going through is not to be compared to what's going to happen when Jesus finally comes. I don't think y'all hear me. What Jesus is about to show them is that whatever you think you are going through now, it is not to be compared to when I finally do arrive. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. The reason for the hold up is because God is planning to show up. And the longer the hold up, the greater the show up. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus could have left right away and been there before Lazarus died. No, 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 no. Ain't better than that. Jesus could have been there when Lazarus first fell ill. No, 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 no. Ain't better than that. Jesus could have stopped the illness from happening in the first place. He could have come to Lazarus on the first day. He could have come to Lazarus on the second day. He could have come to Lazarus on the third day. But the longer the hold up, the greater the show up. He could have cured your cancer in the first week. He could have cured the cancer in the second week. He could cure it in the third week. But the longer the hold up, the greater the show up. He could have saved your son and daughter last year. He could have saved them in the fifth year. He could save them in the tenth year. But the longer the hold up, the greater the show up. Jesus held up because in the resurrection, he plans to show up. And when he shows up, it is so great that you won't even remember the hold up. It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. It's the reason for the hold up. But it's not just the reason for the hold up. It's the reason for the help. Know something that happened in this text in verse 8. The disciples didn't want to go. The disciples did not want to go. They didn't want to go to Jerusalem. They didn't want to go to Bethany. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to go to Bethany. And Bethany wasn't even Jerusalem. <clears throat> they didn't want to go nowhere near Jerusalem. 
Notice where they said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And you going there again? We're going there again? And notice what Jesus says, beloved. Jesus says that he did not come into the world to fear. He does not fear walking into the darkness. Because he came to overcome the darkness. And the disciples were afraid. And why were they afraid? Because they were afraid, like most of us are afraid. They were afraid of dark. Because Jerusalem was dark. And they were afraid of dark. You know most people are still, most adults are still afraid of dark. There's a recent survey in, in Britain that says 64% of the adults express fear of the dark. Now that's just the ones who were truthful. You ever wonder why horror films are filmed in the dark? Nothing scary ever happens during the day. Whenever a scary moment comes, what happens? It's in the dark. It's in the dark. Everything scary happens at night. Now, people are afraid of the dark because, amen, brother, because Darkness represents the unknown. You don't know what or you don't know who is in the darkness. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? I am not afraid of the darkness. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. I know what is happening. And so he says in verse 11, our friend Lazarus is not asleep. Ain't no darkness here. Our friend Lazarus is asleep. And he needs our help. The disciples responded, oh, good, Lord, then we don't have to go. And we don't have to go. If he just sleep, somebody else can wake him. He doesn't need our help. And also Jesus says in verse 14, you're right, you're right. And for your sake, Lazarus is not asleep. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And he needs my help. But not only does he need my help, but you need my help too. You need my help too. Why? Because, beloved, Jesus didn't come to wake up those who are sleeping. He came to seek the lost and raise the dead to life. He came to give life. This is salvation this morning. Salvation is life to the dead, as Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 reminds us that before Christ, we were all dead, dead, not sleep, dead, dead in our trespasses and sins. Christ came to raise 
the dead. Why? Because there is no greater need. That is the help you need. That is the help Jesus came to give. There is no greater need, and therefore, there is no greater help. What do you need help with this morning? Anybody need help? I know some of y'all might need help moving. Somebody might need help with a new job. Somebody might need help paying for school. Somebody might need help finding a wife or a husband. Somebody this morning probably needs help finding a church. Pastor Phil can help you with that. All these things, beloved, are good. All these things are good. And we could probably, we could probably help find somebody to help you move. We got people who could probably here help you find a job. If you need help paying for school, I think there's one or two people in here who might be able to help find some help with that. But yours and my greatest need this morning, beloved, is not school or a job or a spouse or to move. Your and my greatest need is life. And I'm sorry, but only Jesus can help you with that. And beloved, listen to me. Listen to me. If you don't understand salvation only in terms of Christ raising people from the dead. If you don't understand salvation as the dead being raised to life, then you don't understand salvation. And the reason the resurrection is important is because dead people can't help dead people. And the only reason that Jesus can help is because Jesus is alive. That's why we call him our living Savior. If all Jesus did, beloved, don't miss it. If all Jesus did was die on the cross, he couldn't help you. Dead people can't help dead people. If all he did was die on the cross, he couldn't help you. But the reason you can call on Jesus and the reason that Jesus can help you is because Jesus is alive. This is who we worship. We worship, the Bible says, the God who raised Christ from the dead. That's who we worship. This is where our help is in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Our help is not in ourselves, but our help is in the God who does what? Raises the dead. This is who our help is in. This is the one we call upon. The God who raised Jesus from the dead is the God who comes to help you and me. You know, Paul says in chapter 3 and verse 10 of Philippians, he says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to know him in the power that raised him from the dead. Why? Because, beloved, 
that is all that matters. Paul said, it doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter what I did. It doesn't matter who my parents were. It doesn't matter my education. I want to know Jesus and the power that raised him from the dead. Because if I have that resurrection power, then I have help. And whatever comes my way, whatever state I find myself in, I can be content. Because Christ is raised and has promised to raise me. All of my help, all of my help, is that what we sing? All of my help comes from the Lord. What Lord, beloved? What Lord are you talking about? We're talking about the Lord who is raised from the dead and promises to raise me too. And because we have this help, then we got hope. We got hope. When Jesus finally arrived in Bethany, the Bible says in John 11 and 17, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Four days, beloved. Listen, after four days, Mary and Martha had probably given up hope. I mean, after one day, they said, well, maybe, you know how you do, you know. After the first day, well, maybe you tell me there's still a chance. There's still a chance. After the second day, you know, I don't know, it's getting a little tight. After the third day, and, you know, you see people start leaving. And after the fourth day, well, I guess we're on our own. I guess we're on our own, Steve. I guess it's just, it's just me. I got to figure this out myself. After four days, they had probably lost hope of Jesus coming. When they got word, that Jesus had reached the city limits. The Bible says that Martha left the house and went out to meet him. And what does she do when she meets him? Well, the first thing she does is she expresses regret, doesn't she? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had come when we had asked you initially to come, he would not have died. We would not have suffered. We would not have grieved. No pain. If you had just come when we had asked you to come, my brother would be alive and all would be well. Now, I like Martha 
okay? Because even in expressing this regret, this is not a rebuke of Jesus. Okay, this is not a rebuke of Jesus. She's not blaming him like some of people, like some people do. I ain't gonna call no names. Okay, she's not blaming people like people do God today. No, no, no. This is a statement. Yes, it's a statement of grief, right? Her brother is lost to them, been lost to them for four days. They had begun to lose hope. They would ever that Jesus would ever come. And for the past four days, they have been grieving. It was a statement of grief. We lost Lazarus, Jesus. Did you know? He's dead. But it's not just a statement of, of, of grief. It's a statement of fact, isn't it? She says, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. <laughs> That's a fact. That is a fact. She is stating an eternal truth. That if Jesus had been there, Jesus would not have allowed Lazarus to die. He would still be alive. what we do, isn't it? It's a fact. God, if you had come sooner, you would have spared me all these days of anxiety. If you had just responded sooner, I wouldn't have these sleepless nights. Beloved, that is true. That is true. If the Lord had decided to come when you wanted him to come, you would have been spared the heartache. You would have been spared the grief. But it's not just a statement of grief. It's not just a statement of fact. It is also a statement of faith. And this is where we need to get it. When she says, but Lord, however long it took you to get here, you hear now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wish you had gotten here earlier, but that's okay. You're here now. And you can do something about it. There is hope. Because you're here now. Listen, beloved. Grief and loss is common. It's common to all those. Whether you trust Christ or not, grief and loss is common in this world. Whether you are believing upon Jesus or not, everyone suffers loss. Everyone grieves. The difference is not that we don't grieve. The difference, the Bible says, in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13, is that when we grieve, we grieve in hope. This is Martha. She's grieving. But when she sees Jesus, that grieving is in hope. Wish you had gotten here earlier. 
that you're here now. It reminds us, beloved, that our grieving is never unto despair. Because we have hope. Because death is not the final word. Jesus is. Jesus is. And that's what Martha was saying when she saw Jesus. She says, Jesus, now you come to have your say. Everybody else has said what they had to say. Death has come and said what it had to say. But now, Lord Jesus, you are here. You have the final word. Speak, Lord. Speak. And what does Jesus do? He gave her hope. He gave her hope in the general sense. He says to her, don't worry, don't worry, Martha. Your brother's going to rise again. Your brother's going to rise again. That's the kind of stuff we say at funerals. And ain't nobody getting out of that casket right there. At least I hope not. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff we say at funerals. It's true. Because we're trying to give people hope. In the general sense, right? Your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, your child, they're going to rise again. Grieve, but grieve in hope. They're going to rise again. And that's what Martha heard. Why wouldn't she hear that? Because that's what we hear. No, it's her response. Oh, I know. That's what they've been telling us at the funeral. That's what they said at the funeral. That's what the preacher said. See, that's what the preacher said. I know. I know he will rise again in the resurrection on that last day. We all know that. We all believe that. That's what the catechism says. That's what the confession says, Brother Brown. That's why we memorize the creed. What does the creed say? I believe in the resurrection. The mother would say, Jesus, I know the catechisms. I know the confessions. I know the creeds. I believe in the resurrection of the dead, Jesus. And Jesus looks at her. And he took that hope from the general sense. And he made it specific, where he says, oh, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection. The resurrection that you're looking to come in the last day has just arrived. He's here. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus was saying to her, to believe in the resurrection is to believe in Jesus. It is not the creed that makes the resurrection true. It's Jesus. It is not your trust in the catechism that gives us hope. It is trust in Jesus. Beloved, it is not just any resurrection that matters. 
It is the resurrection of Jesus. So understand this. Understand this, beloved. Faith is not a creed. Faith is not one of the points. I know we say it every Sunday, but listen to me. Faith is not one of the points in the creed or the catechism. Faith is Jesus. Faith is Jesus. It is hope in the resurrection that we have hope in the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection comes from trusting Jesus. You understand that? You trust Jesus, the resurrection comes. We don't trust in our trust in the resurrection. We put our trust in Jesus. You get Jesus, you get the resurrection. This is what he's telling us. And he says that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that I am the confession? Do you believe that I am the creed? Do you believe that I am the catechism? This is who you believe in. This is who you confess. I am the resurrection. Martha, do you believe that? Do you believe this this morning? Believe what? Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Believe Jesus is the resurrection. Believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Believe that Jesus will raise you too. Do you believe that? If you do, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, beloved, regrets will still come. But no matter, the resurrection's got those covered. Mistakes will still happen, but no matter, the resurrection has those covered too. Sins will be committed, but no matter, no matter, because the resurrection takes care of those as well. I do a lot of writing. You know, I do a lot of writing. And I write with pencil. And I know it sounds antiquated. I write with pencil. All my books have been written with a pencil and a notepad. All my articles... I write with a pencil and a notepad. All my sermons start with a pencil and a notepad before they ever reach the computer. I like the feel of a pencil in my hand. I like the sound of a pencil in my hand. And so I write with pencil. But you know, probably the biggest reason I like to use pencil is because you can erase. So probably the reason I really like pencil is because I make too many mistakes. I have too many regrets about what I just wrote and how nice it is to be able to turn the pencil over and begin to erase the mistakes and erase the regrets. Beloved, the resurrection is the great eraser. 
My life, with all of its mistakes, with all of its regrets, is written in pencil. And when Jesus comes, the resurrection is going to erase all that. That's why, beloved, don't let mistakes cause me to despair. Don't let regrets cause you to despair. Why? Because Jesus lives. And because he lives. What does the song say? I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know who holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. He lives. He lives. He lives. That's part one. Let's pray.